You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Edgeworks Nebula. The question of whether we are alone in the universe has provided fuel for endless science fiction books and films. With so many galaxies containing so many planets spinning around so many stars, you would think intelligent life must have evolved in at least one of them. This very question has also led to its own branch of astronomy known as SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Throughout the late 20th century, one of the leading personalities in SETI research was planetary scientist Carl Sagan. Sagan's optimistic views on the possibility of intelligent life beyond Earth reached mass audiences through the early 80s TV show Cosmos and the simultaneously released same-titled book. Not the least of Sagan's contributions to furthering the aims and achievements of astronomy was the way he entertained and educated the broader public about space and how he easily brought them into the fold of the scientific community. He made esoteric concepts tangible and got people excited about what we do know and what we don't know about space. Sagan's research on the scientific and philosophical questions that propelled his career came together in the only work of fiction he would produce, Contact, which was published in 1985. As you probably know, the book eventually became a 1997 blockbuster helmed by Robert Zemeckis of Back to the Future and Forrest Gump fame, starring Jodie Foster, Matthew McConaughey, James Woods, Tom Skerritt, and John Hurt. What you might not know is that the story actually began as a film. In 1979, a friend of Carl Sagan's film producer, Linda Obst, suggested developing a movie out of his work with SETI. So Sagan and his wife, Andrewian, came up with a story treatment. From there, the project languished in the hands of several screenwriters, at times taking pretty outlandish shape in the push for Hollywood spectacle, but ultimately gaining little traction. Meanwhile, Sagan channeled his and his wife's ideas into a book. The resulting novel became an instant bestseller, and the story Sagan put to ink would provide a solid blueprint for the film when it finally took flight at Warner Brothers in the mid-90s. While there are some notable differences from book to film, the movie still concerns young and tenacious astronomer Ellie Arroway and her search for answers among the stars. Sagan based his protagonist on radio astronomer Jill Tarter, who graduated from Cornell where Sagan taught and who similarly became a significant figure in SETI research. Like the ambitious lead of Sagan's book, Tartar faced financial and political hurdles in her efforts to advance the field. Also like Tartar, Sagan's space-driven heroine loses her father at an early age, but is motivated by his belief in her ability to succeed. In the film, 
Jodie Foster plays Ellie Arroway, who forgoes a teaching opportunity at Harvard for the chance to listen for little green men, as she puts it, at the Arecibo Observatory in Puerto Rico. While there, she meets and forms a romantic attachment to Matthew McConaughey's Palmer Joss, because who wouldn't? A seminary dropout turned writer who views science through the prism of his faith. When funding is pulled from Arroway's project, since nobody is interested in peer research anymore, just the kind that equals dollar signs, she returns to the States and spends months lobbying for the new funding. Arroway is just on the edge of despair when salvation comes from an unexpected source. John Hurt's eccentric and reclusive tycoon, S.R. Haddon, who is dying of cancer aboard the Mir space station and who desires to accomplish one last, wondrous deed for humanity. With the funding she needs, Arroway sets up shop with her team at the very large space array in New Mexico, which has got to take the honor of least imaginative name for an observatory. A transmission eventually arrives from space, using the one truly universal language to grab our attention. Math. The U.S. government steps in to oversee the decoding of the message, which turns out to be the first television broadcast that was powerful enough to reach space. The opening ceremony of the 1936 Summer Olympics in Berlin. Hidden within the returned broadcast are instructions for how to build a single-person intergalactic transport. The news sets off an international debate as to just who should be the one to go and represent humanity. As the astronomer who found the message, and who played an instrumental role in decoding it, Arroway joins the select few who are under consideration for the historic voyage. But her chances are compromised when Palmer Joss, who has just been appointed to the selection committee, questions her faith and whether a person without belief in a higher power ought to represent a global population that largely does believe. For his own part, though often pressed to label himself a theist, atheist, or agnostic, Sagan maintained that while he had no evidence of a higher power, he was always open to whatever truths might be revealed to him in his search to better understand the universe. Though she is not selected for the mission, Arroway is presented a second chance when the transport pod that was built is blown up by a fanatic and the appointed representative along with it. It's revealed that a backup pod has been built in secret by Hayden's subsidiaries in Japan. Arroway's voyages take her through a wormhole to a planet in the Vega star system 25 light years from Earth. On the planet's surface, she finds a beach like the kind that thrilled her as a child, and she's approached and spoken to by an alien that has assumed the familiar form of her father. Upon returning to Earth, Arroway is told her pod never actually went anywhere that mere seconds had passed during the voyage that for her had lasted 18 hours. Arroway adamantly defends her experience, even through the proceedings of a congressional hearing that's called to get to the bottom of the matter. In the book, the doubted astronomer notes the irony that now she, a skeptic, is the bearer of the profound religious experience I can't prove. The bold paralleling of science and faith in contact illustrates what was ultimately of greatest significance to Sagan that he successfully convey how very small we are before the wonders of the universe and how very important it is we never stop searching for answers. The message of both the film and the book could perhaps be summed up in the observations of Palmer Joss when he says, we all have a thirst for wonder. It's a deeply human quality. Perhaps we are all wayfarers on the road to truth. Though Sagan tragically passed of a bone marrow disease he'd been fighting before the film reached completion, the picture went on to capture the hearts and fascinations of audiences as he had intended. The movie's release was not without some controversy, however. Ever since Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Robert Zemeckis has been known for pioneering digital effects work in his live-action films. With a number of visual effects shot, including the big-scale explosion that destroys the first pod and Airways' journey through the wormhole, Contact was no exception. 
but it was perhaps the least obvious of these digital effects that got everybody talking when the film came out. Rather than casting an actor as the U.S. president, Zemeckis made clever use of newsreel footage from August of 1996 when Bill Clinton addressed reports that fossilized bacteria had been discovered on a Martian meteorite recovered from Antarctica. Zemeckis had already digitally inserted footage of a U.S. president into a fictional narrative the year before, when both JFK and Richard Nixon were seen exchanging words with Forrest Gump. But this time, the digital sleight of hand concerned the current president. In the movie, Clinton can be seen standing in the White House press room, rather than the Rose Garden where he originally gave the speech, saying, If this discovery is confirmed, it will surely be one of the most stunning insights into our universe that science has ever uncovered. Its implications are as far-reaching and awe-inspiring as can be imagined. Even as it promises answers to some of our oldest questions, it poses still others more fundamental. We will continue to listen closely to what it has to say as we continue the search for answers and for knowledge that is as old as humanity itself, but essential to our people's future. All of which arguably sounds like even more appropriate of a response to communication from sentient ETs than to the discovery of some old bacteria on Mars. Nevertheless, the president's speech was used out of context, and the film production hadn't cleared permission from the White House to use it in the manner they did. The administration voiced their disapproval in a statement to Zemeckis, labeling his use of the footage inappropriate. No legal action was taken, and the footage of Clinton remains in all prints of the film to this day. However, it's worth noting, no other filmmaker has used media coverage of a current president in such a manner. A bit less controversially, but no less worthy of the buzz it generated, the famous opening scene of the film took the record for the longest computer-composited shot in a motion picture with nearly three minutes of film unfolding over 4,710 frames as it were taken on a cosmic journey through the Milky Way, past varying nebulae, and finally out through the eye of Ellie Arroway as a child trying to reach someone on her ham radio. Visual effects artists Ken Ralston and Steven Rosenbaum worked from the Hubble images to digitally design the planets of our solar system, down to such details as the blue glow of Jupiter's atmosphere and the polar ice caps of Mars. From there, they relied on concept art to portray unobserved regions of space like the Oort cloud. They were also sure to include the Eagle Nebula, which Sagan particularly wanted to have in the film. As we pull out from Earth and draw back across the cosmos, we hear radio transmissions traveling through space and taking us back in time along the way from current 90s pop to 70s disco to 50s ballads and on back until there's nothing but the silence of space where Earth's transmissions have not yet reached. It's a very stylized shot and one that immediately gripped audiences, but it also wildly contradicts the science behind the film's biggest plotline. Radio waves travel at the speed of light, meaning it would take a transmission from Earth 25 years to reach the Vega star system, which is 25 light years away, and another 25 years for it to be sent back. This all checks out with the film's timeline, but this also means that radio waves sent into space during the 1950s would not be passing Saturn while 90s pop music is leaving the Earth's atmosphere. They would be long, long gone by then. Fortunately, most people are too in awe of the stunning visuals to notice the artistic liberty that was taken there. The visual effects team also had their work cut out for them when it came to depicting the wormhole that transports air away from Earth to Vega. We covered the logistics of wormholes on last week's episode of Interstellar, and the one featured in Contact seems to be similarly artificially created by an advanced civilization, improving its likelihood. 
When it came to designing the look and experience of the wormhole, however, the visual artists were less inspired by science and more inspired by two seemingly incongruous things, the feel of a roller coaster and the colors of the chakra. The idea was that the changing colors of the wormhole would represent Arroway's journey to enlightenment in correspondence with what the colors mean in the chakra, making this a more symbolic journey through space than one that's aiming to be scientifically accurate. Before Arroway embarks on her journey, there's a small detail that was included for heightened dramatic effect that proved a little controversial in terms of how it reflected on NASA. Arroway was given a capsule with a cyanide pill, just in case, and is told NASA had been sending them with their astronauts since the beginning of space travel. Gerald Griffin, an aeronautical engineer and flight director from NASA who was serving as the film's technical advisor, denied NASA had ever used any such pills. He's not alone in his assertion, either. Jim Lovell, commander of the Apollo 13 mission, wrote that he's frequently asked if they had suicide pills on board. His answer to that is, we didn't, and I've never heard of such a thing in the 11 years I spent as an astronaut and NASA executive. As far back as Apollo 8, the first manned mission to enter orbit, reporters have been asking if such pills existed, and even then, astronaut Deke Slayton, who was in charge of training the Apollo 8 crew, denied they used them. On the DVD commentary, Zemeckis says Sagan insisted NASA provides these last resort pills to their astronauts. Presented with two opposing views from Griffin and Sagan, Zemeckis simply chose to go with the more dramatic option. We're not sure where Sagan's convictions came from on the matter, but with statements from Lovell, Slayton, and Griffin, it's difficult to argue with personnel who have been in charge of and on board actual space flights. The most common explanation for why astronauts would not even need such devices is that if anything went seriously wrong in space, you could simply open the hatch and it would all be over. Less painfully than cyanide, too, according to Jonathan Clark of the Center for Space Medicine. In a vacuum, you take a few breaths and you're unconscious within probably 10 seconds, says Clark. You're totally out. It's not like you're suffering. In contact, Arroway finds herself in a slightly different situation than typical astronauts as she appears to be perfectly sealed inside the pod transporting her. She's also traveling 25 light years from Earth in a transport of alien design. Who's to say what NASA might consider prudent in her situation? But it's evident the film's claim that cyanide pills have been standard operating procedure on every manned mission of NASA's has no basis in reality. While last resort pills for space voyages may be just as fictitious as the wormhole Arroway travels through, the film does a marvelous job when it comes to portraying the efforts of astronomers on the ground. Arroway's fight for funding is sadly reflective of many pure research efforts in the global scientific community, not just those having to do with astronomy. Oddly enough, Arroway's struggle and contact foreshadowed what would eventually become of the Arecibo Observatory where she had to cease her research. In August of 2020, a support cable attached to the 900-ton instrument platform poised above the observatory's dish broke free, damaging the dish below. The second one snapped in November, and then, just after the National Science Foundation, which owns Arecibo, announced the observatory would be decommissioned, the whole platform fell from above on the 1st of December. Fans of the James Bond film Goldeneye, the climax of which was filmed at Arecibo, will be relieved to know the actor Sean Bean was not under the platform when it collapsed. Phew. For years, the National Science Foundation had been channeling funds away from Arecibo and into other newer telescope projects, leading some to believe the inadequate funding and lack of upkeep were responsible for the observatory's tragic end. But now, just like Arroway and her quest for funding, a team of researchers is lobbying for a new $400 million telescope to be built on the site. 
In real life, astronomers are not simply waiting for messages to come from space, nor hoping for alien technology, like the kind seen in contact, as a means of reaching and communicating with any space neighbors we might have. In 1974, Frank Drake, the director of the Arecibo Observatory, put together a message with the assistance of Carl Sagan and a few others to be broadcast towards the Messier 13 star cluster. The information the message contained included the numbers 1 through 10, a graphic of our solar system with the Earth highlighted, a figure of a human being, and details about our physical dimensions and DNA makeup. If this message does reach intelligent life in Messier 13, we have our fingers crossed they'll be of the benevolent variety. Either way, it'll take the message about 25,000 years to get there. More recently, just last month in fact, Jonathan Jung of NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory led an international team in putting together a new, more elaborate message to be sent into space from China's 500-meter Aperture Spherical Telescope and California's Allen Telescope Array. This updated message contains enough math to hopefully establish a universal form of communication, a more accurate description of where our solar system is located in relation to surrounding star clusters, and a polite request for a response. What are the odds anyone will pick up our messages somewhere out there? Well, a study conducted by the Mathematical Ecology Research Group at Oxford University in 2020 found that the probability of intelligent life in the universe is exceedingly small. Indeed, the emergence of intelligent life on Earth was the result of so many atmospheric and evolutionary changes that all lined up to produce just the right conditions for the rise of Homo sapiens. If you ever need a reason to be momentarily in awe of the Earth and our place in it, just consider how very slim the chances were that we would ever have made it from swamp bed to skyscraping and cyberspacing civilization. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't keep searching for answers among the stars. In the words of Carl Sagan, words which appear repeatedly and comfortingly throughout the film that carries his legacy, if we are alone in the universe, it sure seems like an awful waste of space. If you're enjoying the show and want to rewatch any sci-fi we will be covering, check out our show notes where we have the following week's topics available. In the meantime, be sure to leave a review and tell your friends about Settle the Stars. Every review really helps for an indie show like ours. And be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Settle the Stars is available on pretty much every podcasting platform. And we're also mirroring our episodes on YouTube at youtube.com slash edgeworksentertainment. And be sure to ring that bell so you know when there's a new episode. We also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash edgeworksentertainment. The support of listeners like you is what makes this show possible. And I am so grateful to the people who have already joined. Thank you all for listening. I hope to see you again soon. And as always, happy terraforming. Settle the Stars is a proud member of the Edgeworks Nebula, a collection of intriguing and informative podcasts from Edgeworks Entertainment. Edgeworks Nebula. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.